Hello, I'm Sarah Phelps and I'm completely fucking fabulous. Yes! <laughs> We're starting the podcast episode with us. Can you hear? <laughs> this is TV worth talking about. Shrine Podcasts presents Dublin Murders. Hello and welcome to Shrine Podcast presents Dublin Murders, the post-mortem. I can't take credit for that, Brendan. Well done. Brendan, it's brilliant. It's like the only title that I've come up with in all the podcasts we've ever done. It's written down on the page here and it keeps making me laugh. It's so good. (laughs) We are going to be uh, chatting to some of the cast members of Dublin Murders this evening, this morning, depending on when you're listening to us. (laughs) We haven't rang any of them yet, so we probably shouldn't commit to any names just in case. In case they don't pick up the phone. I'm surprised anyone even gave us their numbers. Imagine we were ghosted. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be the first time. Um, guys, what have you all been doing in the last week? Can you believe it's only been seven days-ish since the series finished? Yeah. I watched Gavin and Stacey, episode <sighs> one, up all Christmas specials, making of uh, the whole thing down to the last episode of season three in about two days. Is that the fir- your first time watching it? Yeah, I'm reading things in a Welsh accent now. Like, <laughs> it is my favourite. You know the way people watch Friends on loop? Yeah, you said that was your thing. Gavin and Stacey is, I watch it all day, every day. That's how I feel about Sherlock. And when you said that to me and my sister, we have the exact same sense of humour. She was like, how have you never watched Gavin and Stacey? Mm. We need to be able to watch the Christmas special together this year. Yeah. We like all the same things. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Put on one episode. It's all my favourite music. Gav's yeah. gorgeous. Stacey's adorable. I'm laughing. I'm crying. So that's what I did for the last Pam week. Shippen Pam Shippen is the best TV character that's <laughs> ever so cool. been Is she written, the one that says, ever. oh my Christ? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, I need to watch it. Uh, every, you, you've been, Brendan's that you've been telling me for years, no. he's like, you need to watch Gavin and Stacey. It's like the way I watch Sabrina's Teenage Witch yeah. all the time. Yeah, t- yeah, that is. He watched but Gavin and Stacey. Pam Shipman is the best TV character ever written. No, come here, Nessa. I Love know her. Anessa and I cannot <laughs> stop laughing about it. I haven't so watched good. it, so I'm like it. smiling and nodding, but I will watch it ahead Very of the Christmas special. excited for the Christmas I've special. I've been watching Marcella season two. Ooh, Marcella. Ooh, I need to get into that now. Every time she comes on the TV, uh, my fella's like, ooh, Marcella. <laughs> how did, how did we even started? start that? You said it one day, Brendan, and we all thought it was fun to say. Yeah, we just stuck with, ooh, Marcella. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even have that accent. No, I know, I know she doesn't have that accent. Like so I'm watching too. that, um, and then I will watch Gavin and Stacey. I need something a bit lighthearted because it's quite heavy. Oh, I Will might you do. please, in the WhatsApp group, update us as you're going along with Marcella because... I'm going to watch it again. Oh, I'm going to do two Marcellas and a Gavin and Stacey. Two Marcellas and a Gavin and Stacey. Just so I don't get too That's upset. That's the way I go through the Quality Street tin. I'm like, oh, I'll have a chocolate. I'll have an orange and a strawberry. And then I'll go and have a purple one. Orange and, then and just, strawberry are yeah, my ones, yeah. friends. And then I just what rotate them. What Marcella? Oh, oh, she'd be the green. She's always wearing a green jacket, green hues in the artwork. Yeah. She's a green triangle. Yeah, tri- well. yeah, I was going to say the triangle. Although there's a new one this year and I only got a box last week. It is, uh, it's like a lump. It's dark green <laughs> and it is. described so It's well. a lump. It's a lump and it's a chocolate uh, toffee, like caramel, but it's coffee flavour. Oh. Yeah, so maybe she'd be that one because she's a bit dark. Yeah, and you don't want the coffee surprise at the end. No, it didn't work yeah, for them. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm more of a celebrations gal myself. The Maltese one is good. Anyway. God, how did we get there? It just happens. We don't even mean it. Do you know, we got actually a huge reaction to the biscuit um, debate. Debate oh, in the middle of the... the it was real tense And by moments. huge reaction, do we mean four Four tweets? people saying, oh, I'm, some people were saying they were with you, Brendan, about the fig rolls. I couldn't well, believe thanks it. thanks so much. How did they get the figs in? No, please, the fig rolls. Oh, just have more respect for yourself. they inject it the way they inject the jam into a donut. I won't have this conversation. That was their okay. whole marketing campaign for a while. How do they get the figs into the fig roll? Well, it obviously worked <laughs> because here we are. Um, so first up, we are going to be chatting to writer extraordinaire Sarah Phelps. 
Oh my so god! Excited! I can't wait. Now we did promise her that we'd have a vodka for her, but we're in different countries, so I hope she's poured one for herself. Yeah, or else we can see if she's near a bar and we can send one over. We'll yeah. figure it out. Okay. And we can wrangle ourselves an invite on the set of season two and then she can have a vodka. Absolutely. We need her to confirm it on the podcast first. An Imagine an exclusive, our very first exclusive. <laughs> hello, hello. Can you all yeah. hear me? I we can, can all hear, hear you, all you now. You, Calling you London. <laughs> Perfect, Sarah. We're so excited to talk to you. <laughs> oh, you you darlings. I, I, I love your fucking podcast. It's just a joy. It's just makes me hope and you've been such champions thank you so much it's been a the great joy has been like switching on on a wednesday and going theories inject them into my veins give me the theories (laughs) so good well thank you for writing such amazing television oh cheers (laughs) that was so nice thank you so much much. yeah i'm welling up here same Um, so Sarah, first up, um, we have to ask you, what was it like combining two books together? Right, in all honesty, I was. It, it, I sort of said, I, I think I've kept them together. And then you go, okay, I've said that. And everyone's gone, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Now I've got to go and kind of make it work. So the, the building blocks of it were tricky, to say the least. But the principle of it, I think was right that Rob and Cassie were neck and neck throughout rather than it being Rob and then you've got to catch up with Cassie and she would be in televisual terms a sort of bystander somebody who watched rather than was active so it meant changing some of her story so that um, like she was in the car with her parents and a stag came through the car and she kind of invented Lexi out of that and but it meant that even though it was a, I won't lie, it was a real head fuck. Um, it, <laughs> I was kind of driven on by the fact that I just thought it was really good for the series to make to to, to make them so entwined. And did you ever meet Tana French? Was she involved? I know she kind of signed the rights over, but was there any kind of meet up between you two? Did you yeah, hash yeah, out ideas? We went out. We we went out and met up twice. So I went. We went over and went and had dinner with her and just did a kind of initial meet-up and I sort of, um, where this, you know, where she got to actually look at the person who was going to be working on her books in the face. And we went and had dinner and I kind of waved my arms around in a really exciting, excited way and Aww. shouted about fairy tales and tables because I got really obsessed with the fact that there are tables and that tables are central to all of Tana's books. Like you've got the altar and the words You've got the table that the students sit around and then you've got the pub table in Faithful Place and the, the family kitchen table in Broken Harbour. And I just started ranting and raving about that. And I think she was probably went, yes, that's fine, do what you want, just so she could get away. But we went out and had, when the project got green lit and we were further underway, we went and had lunch um, in Dublin again and just sort of talked more about the development and where it was going. And she, because she said she'd always thought of the books as being a pair, that they're, they are very distinct kind of couplings and that it felt quite a natural thing to pack the books together rather than do one book and then the next book that absolutely, that actually sort of um, tangling them up, you know, felt, yeah, felt quite, it didn't feel forced. It felt quite organic. Um, but she's, 
she was writing the witch home at the same time and i think that she and exactly and so i think she was i was really lucky because she was generous enough to sort of step back and go um an adaptation for tv is totally different from a novel and they are they're totally totally different experiences so she kind of stepped back to concentrate on witch elm and concentrate on what she wanted to write next and just sort of you know let us let us run it was um so you know that was incredibly generous of her um, Sarah, and when you finished tangling them up, as you put it, do you just hand over the script then to directors and producers and everyone? Or are you involved? Like, were you on set for filming? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm completely involved from the word go. I mean, it's um, so that when, you know, uh, when, we had, when we got like sort of directors involved, they got involved when I had scripts to kind of show them. So we were already talking about the you know the scripts the um the show and what it would look like with Saul Dib and how to create um the world of the woods and how we were going to uh find different locations so that we could really have that sense of this huge place so that there were little there were different little bits of woods or different sort of atmospheres that we kind of melded together to make one big world so yeah all the time and on set and in casting and with production and looking at all the... I mean, because that's my job, because a lot of the time you're going to say, I've had this really brilliant idea and a spaceship comes down and this comes out and then there's a, <laughs> then there's a bear. And you're like, yeah, that sounds brilliant, but unfortunately it costs a fucking fortune, so rewrite it so it makes more sense. And you go, okay, so that's your job always, is to not just, you know, have all these sort of mad ideas and a script and hand it over and go, now make it work. My job is also to kind of answer answer questions. So if you've kind of hit the skids a little bit in terms of the budget or in terms of locations or in terms of weather or in there's all sorts of things that can happen on a on a set. My job is to go, that's not a problem. I'll just switch that, change that, put that over there and turn that upside down and it'll all be fine. That's a really cool way but to yeah. work. It is. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, and yeah, Sarah there I mean, was I mean, I'm, it's it's really important because you've got to be involved. And also, I mean, this is the inside of my head. So I've got to put my face about. So, <laughs> so, people, so you know, and also it's my baby. So I always like to feel like I'm the kind of writer who, you know, you get the very best people. And seriously, like the, um, the crew and the cast, uh, I mean, and the whole production team, people at the top of their game, at the very, very height of their craft, just amazing. So you get these incredible people and you trust them to do the very best job that the very best job. And I don't I never like to think that I'm sat there breathing down a director's neck or down a designer's neck or whatever. But I do like to be there so that if someone says, well, there's that bit, it's not a problem. And also so that the actors, you know, I can chat to the actors. And also I like, I, I like going out for dinner and having drinks. Don't we all? Don't we all? Sarah, there are so many amazing characters um, in in the in the TV show. Uh, who was your favourite to write? Oh, now that's a real tough one. That is really tough because they were all meant such a lot. But here's, I mean, I love I love writing Cassie, and I love writing Rob because they were so present and it was you were so in part of their interior landscape. I also really, uh, this is going to sound bizarre, but I really like the kind of, some some of the really smaller characters. So I'll tell you who I absolutely adore. 
is um, Alana, who you first see. Yes, yeah. she's brilliant, and she's and she's the one that that Rob says to her, "You're lower than shit," and she bursts into tears and gives up her boyfriend. And then you see her again when she's been attacked and had all her hair sliced off. Yeah, and that's the thing that pivots Sam and Cassie's relationship. That's the thing that just sends you know Cassie spiraling off into the outer darkness, and it also means you get to see some real fire from Sam when he goes. I don't care if his granny was born in the shed out west, he's still English. You know, and then you see her again when Cassie's undercover and oh. she's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's so, and also stories like that are really important to me. The kind of untold ones, the people, the kind of people who, you know, eyes slide off them. Nobody really sees Nalana unless it's the flagger off. Nobody mm. sees mm. own and Sandra. You know, everybody talks about her. Everybody talks about her. Not one person asks her. And I, so the characters like that mattered to me so, so much. Like when everybody's oh, like, Sandra, we whore like a mother. You know, the, 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 the Magdalene's would have taken and sorted her out her nonsense. But nobody's ever said to her, are you all right? What's going on? Who are you? What happened? So all of those people, they, they, they mattered a huge amount because they're like the, um, I don't know. You know, I always think of music when I'm writing, like uh, like a big orchestra, and you're conducting an orchestra of voices. And those, you know, the the, the smaller characters are the kind of these these little notes, and you can spin a scene on those little tiny minor notes and. I just think they 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 say volumes. Well, absolutely, really for such peripheral characters, especially Alana, like she definitely struck a chord to everyone. Yeah. Like there's some scenes and, with her in them that I'll never forget. So that comes down to oh, the writing and the acting. It's just brutal. Just brutal. Imagine seeing a poor pre- a, a pregnant girl like that and just going to there's no fairy tale. Nothing's ever going to go right for you, and you're lower than shit. So it was yeah. just a way of saying like what. Rob and Cassie, they really know each other. They're really good at their job. But I'll tell you something else. They're cruel. Yeah, they there's a cruel. dark streak in them. And there's a little there's a little edge of cruelty to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she'll bring her tissues and a cup of tea and they'll just make they'll they'll make sure that some other agency takes over her care. But actually they got a result. And it's just that little exclusivity about their characters which speaks to you about the sort of relationship that they have that it's actually a dangerous relationship yeah that's actually a really good point and one of the things we were kind of joking about the whole time on the podcast is the Dublin and the real Irish colloquialisms throughout the whole show and obviously you're English you're you know all your work has been quite English the Shakespeare the Agatha Christie the EastEnders do you have this Dublin friend that's given you all the insider knowledge (laughs) all the lingo or how did you do Uh, your research um, well, here's the thing. So I've, I've got a, I've got a pal, but my pal, I've got pals from Belfast, I've got pals from Galway, whatever, but not a Dublin thing. But here's the thing. If you're English, you've grown up listening to the most astonishing Irish voices and the most astonishing Irish performers, grown up listening to Irish music, either it's, you know, punk or rock or whatever, Irish poetry, reading Irish literature, watching Irish comedians, watching the great, great Irish actors. So... I couldn't do an Irish accent if you put a gun to my head and I wouldn't even begin to dare to try. But what I was really aware of all the time is that there's a rhythm and it's a very distinct rhythm 
as opposed to the way an English person speaks or the way a Scottish person speaks or Welsh or American or whatever. There's a really distinct rhythm. And I just had that rhythm kind of running in my ear. I sound like I'm mad, honestly. <laughs> but it was like a bit like the way um, the way O'Kelly speaks, for example. It's so horny. It's just as so, it's like huge and explosive. And even though it's huge, it's distinct from, say, Quigley or from Sam or from Sandra or from Mrs. Fitz or from any uh, or from anybody in the Devlin household, there's still a rhythm. And mm. the rhythm is different to your English, to an English rhythm. So I just listen to that rhythm. And um, like sometimes on set, um, and John Hayes, our, one of our director of episodes three and four and seven and eight, John Hayes is from Dublin. And I was always expecting people to say like on every line, that's bullshit. No Irish person would talk like this. But it hardly ever came in. Only, I think, a couple of... Um, I think Peter McDonald said, sort of said once, can I switch the arrangement of this sentence around just because it's, it's more truthful to a Dublin mouth, if that yeah. makes sense? And Sarah Green said, and again, can I just switch the arrangement of this sentence? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. And then I think it was John who, Hayes who came up with the phrase dry shite. <laughs> so good. That is and, a Dublin but phrase. He, he, John was really delighted because it's just like when Sandra says about Mrs. Fitzgerald, a good Catholic woman, McGash, and he was just like, oh, God, yeah, I can't wait to direct that. <laughs> we, we're trying to talk about that. It's, it's just a, it's a thing. It's like, how do you say something really obscene without saying the obscene thing? And I was on EastEnders for years where you can hardly say anything. And I still managed to get hate mail. So, you know. <laughs> well <laughs> done, you. Um, I know, I'm so proud. It's nothing like people thinking they've heard something truly disgusting. Um, and they haven't. And they haven't. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really interesting how suggestible. But anyway, so, yeah, I just, you know, um, I'm just trying to think. Like, you know, you go to Dub, you know, go to Edinburgh, and it'd be full of Irish comedians. And I used to work in a comedy club in South London. And all he's amazing, amazing Irish comedian. And you just absorb the rhythm of that and absorb all those great Irish voices that we grew up with. Because, you know, I mean, we, I mean I'm mean, i old, so I grew up listening. You know, if Jerry Adams on the TV, you wouldn't hear the voice. It would be the voice of an actor. Come here, Sarah. Um, season two, surely it's in the bag. I wish. It's, come um, on, you're telling me it's not already been commissioned. No, it hasn't. So Are you I waiting for the States? Learn... No, we're not waiting for the States. What happens in the States is irrelevant to what happens in in the, um, the over lab. here. But it's just basically, so it's all about not only what happens on transmission, but also what happens, what the traffic is like to to iPlayer, to stream it. Gotcha, so gotcha. I just keep putting on my Twitter, fucking binge my box set, you assholes. <laughs> I want another series. and. Because I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not. Oh, we need a season two. Yeah. We'll start a campaign, I reckon. Have you started well, you thinking about Robin, it? You know that Robin and Kathy aren't, aren't in season They're two. They're not. We were at that was yeah. one of our questions. No. So Can we haven't read the me? books. We actually held back from reading the books so that we oh. could enjoy the surprise of the show. I've just started the first one now. So I'm going to read the first two and then hold off in the hopes of a season two. But that was one of our questions. Will we ever find out then about the fate of Jamie and Peter or, you know, more about Dad well, Lexi? That, well, that's not my gift to give. And you do find out more about Lexi in the likeness. I'm not going to tell you, 
But in the likeness, you hear more about Lexi, where she's come from. I just decided to do something different because, you know, there's a phrase, there's a line that Cassie says to Sam, you know, people disappear all the time. Why can't the opposite be true? Why can't people disappear? And it felt like it was true to the world that strange things could happen inexplicably, that there would seem to be no rational explanation. How can two children children disappear a lot, but how can one child be found in the state Adam was found in and have no explanation? And even though we don't find out, because that's that's Tana's that's in Tana's gift to give, it's not in mine. Even though we don't find out, I feel like if we did go forward, that that crime, that loss of those children, that question mark, that really unsettling quality about it, that you just can't answer those questions, that it casts a long shadow. It kind of sets up the catalyst for Frank, for Scorcher Kennedy for Antoinette Conway further on. Yeah. We and, loved um, the supernatural element to the story. Uh, I, I, oh, I, well, I point well. out Ra was a wolf. <laughs> I know. I absolutely barked when I heard that. I thought that was <laughs> amazing. But can I, I worked on a show called um, Being Human. I wrote an episode of Being Human. Uh, I don't know if you know this show. It's like a flat share drama. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. They were a wolf a vampire and a werewolf. And I absolutely oh, loved right, that. Oh, right, you're a street rep. All I kept thinking was, you know, if I actually pulled that out of the bag, that would just be pretty dark. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but the it, I always think the supernatural is our own brains anyway. What we imagine, what we're scared of, what we're guilty of, what we're fight, what, you know, the thing we've done that we don't really want to look at. But I like having the, that's that extra thing because, that detail about the blood in the shoes and the slashes in the shirt is yeah. so, it's so awful. So what the hell, let's run with it. Let's make that the thing that that powers all the characters through subsequent series. If I get them. You S- will. <laughs> you will you get will. there. You will. Uh, Sarah, what do you think uh, happened to Peter and Jamie? What do I think happened to Peter and Jamie? Well, I have various thoughts about what happened to Peter and Jamie and some of those are kind of really practical, which is that, I don't know, that it's a big wood. It's, they, they fell, they got stuck, they disappeared, who knows? But it's a detail about Adam which makes imagining what happens to Peter and Jamie almost impossible. How, how did they disappear and he get found like that? Unless there is something truly dark and sinister that was kind of, Stirred up into being by what those boys did to Sandra, they held her down and they and they raped her, yeah. and Oof. that kind of kicked off some sort of monstrous sense of punishment or justice or whatever. Who knows? I don't even want to speculate mm. in case I have to address it further down the line. I can't wait to read but, the book. Um, but you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe there is an Earl King in the woods. Maybe there really is. Um, you were saying that you, you obviously spent time here then while you were filming, most of it in Belfast, but some in Dublin. Um, is it true you got a tattoo while you were here in Dublin? I did get, I got two tattoos when I was there in Dublin. I went to Dublin Inc. and got two tattoos. Oh, what did you get? Well, I If got that's not too a personal of, a question. No, no. Um, I got uh, a pair of antlers, just a little stylized antlers, which was... Um, just this little design feature that we had on all the um, 
because when we were drumming up money to kind of take to, you know, go and try and get people in LA to give us loads of money, we had all these sort of beautifully produced kind of uh, story documents and series documents and things like that so, to make people excited. And they're all decorated with these little stylized anchors. So I thought I'd get them done on my in, inside of my wrist. And I also got a Hawthorne leaf because that's where the idea or have how I'd like to write the series all kicked off. And I just thought, well, there we are, let's do that. Fab. Now, before we get a season two confirmation, which I'm sure we're going to get, how are we going to get our Sarah Phelps fail? What are you working on in the meantime? I We've just locked, uh, picture locked, um, the Agatha Christie, the fifth one um, I've done, which is called The Pale Horse. It's yes. just Love a two-hour one rather than a three-hour one. And it's got Rufus Sewell and Kaida Scudelario in it. And it's fucking mental. <laughs> oh, my right God. Yes, streets. we love Agatha Christie. It's so exciting. It is, um, it's very, it is very, very, it's very dark. It's very dark and sad and quite funny and odd and strange. And, yes, we've just picked a lot on that and we're... You know, that'll be on, I don't know, at some point around Christmas, New Year, I think. Love it. And Christmas, New Year, us. this year? Sorry? This year? Uh, yeah, this, uh, this sort of year, unless it goes into 2020, obviously, and early 2020. We'll keep an eye out for that. We'll be well, watching. It's, oh, Rufus Seal and Carl Scodelario are amazing. And They're Sarah, amazing. do you have any mad stories about uh, like you guys going on any mad night out, nights out during filming or anyone who oh. was particularly good crack while filming on set? We went out for a night, um, uh, Sarah Green and a load of makeup girls and some other people, and we went to a load of pubs and um, had an, we had a fantastic time, fantastic time. I, I woke up the next morning fully dressed in my <laughs> hotel room Wearing the hotel shower cap. I've got no idea why. Brilliant. I've got no idea why or how or what the hell possessed me. I hadn't run a bath. I hadn't been at the shower on. I hadn't even bothered taking off my shoes. What I had bothered to do in my extreme drunkenness was unwrap the hotel shower cup and put it on my head and tuck all my hair underneath it. No idea. Sarah, Not next time you're in clue. Dublin, you are coming on a night out with us, if that's okay. Yeah. I would I would love to come out on a night with yes! you. Yes, it's probably. happening. We're doing and, it. And I would wake up, God, no, I'd probably wake up in a bit of bin somewhere, but, you we know. We all will, don't worry. Yeah, we all will. We're in it together. <laughs> Uh, come here, Sarah, before we let you go, uh, obviously you're working on your own shows. What are you excited to watch that has been written by other people? Oh, God, so much. I can't wait to see the um, the trial of Christine Keeler that's coming up. I love Succession. I'm pretty much obsessed with it. love yeah. Succession. Big fan. Oh, God, it's so good. It's just it's so, so quick and dry. Oh, it's so quick and dry and vicious and funny and and these terrible people and that you find yourself feeling quite tenderly towards them. Yeah, um, I love Tom. Oh, my God. Tom, Tom Warmsgams. How, how the hell <laughs> did you come up with a name like that? And I love Ronan and Jared. Strange love Ronan thing. as well. Yeah, it's brilliant. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I'm absolutely loving that. I, there are loads of things that I just, I, I just adore watching that. I'm about to start watching End of the Fucking World, the second series of that, which I think I love the first series. So 
Oh, and I'm, I'm really enjoying his dark materials, of course, of course, because it's wonderful. And I spend way too much time wondering what my demon would be. And <laughs> you know, probably just be a slug. But um, yeah, so I, I love watching just about anything that I haven't sort of worked on. It's great. Amazing, amazing. Great. You can just sit there and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that's what we've done with Dublin Murders, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you thank so you. much thank for coming you, on the podcast. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for being such champions. It, it's been a real, a true joy just oh. listening, listening to the podcast after each after each set of episodes. It's been, a, been such a shot in the arm. So thank you very, very oh. much. Thank, thank you so thanks, much for listening and thanks for everything, Sarah, and thanks for chatting to us today. We um, loved it. We loved it. Loved and we'll it. see you in Dublin for season two, hopefully with loads of pints and Tato. Season and two drinks. Oh, oh, Christ, I'm so sorry about the Tato's and the red bus. <laughs> don't, don't mention the <laughs> war. Don't worry about that. Shower caps for everyone next time you're here. Yeah. Yeah, everybody. Um, thank you so much, guys. Real joy to talk to you. Cheers, Sarah. Bye, Sarah. You too. Bye, Sarah. Bye. 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 The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, my God. I know. Queen. Shower caps and vodkas for everyone. Do you know what it is as well? She's just so sound. So sound. So intelligent. Talented. So gas at the same time. She's I mean, hilarious. she is, uh, what's the word? She is a seriously fabulous woman. Imagine being on your fifth Agatha Christie TV adaptation for the BBC and being that nice and just so chill about it. Like, also, I, just, I love the way she's like, oh yeah, it's only two hours this time instead of three. Yeah, only <laughs> two. <laughs> oh, yes. she's cool. Really like her. That was deadly. What so juicy good. bits did we learn? Well, what was the, we, we kind of heard a few different theories about what may have happened to... Great pe- line of questioning from you, yeah, Reb. Yeah, agree. What Why do you, Ted Hastings? What do you think happened to Peter and Jamie? And yeah, she gave us some really good theories. Because we're never going to know, really, guys, are we? That yeah. was a great question, well done. Guys, great question. I mean, thanks very much. I just really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I still think about them every day. Is that really bad? Do you know when you just... Uh, I still think about them every single day. I'm if like, I watched a TV show... They were four weeks of your life. Yeah, like if I watch a TV show, like over a large amount of time and rewatch it a bit I feel like the people are real yeah. they're my friends mm-hmm. do you know I, like I miss Cassie and Rob do you know yeah. and we did hear that they're not coming back in season 2 <sighs> if we get much of them actually a bit 
We're like that's the end of their story. Two. Isn't yeah. it? I'd be really surprised if there wasn't a season two. Oh no, we I have to, They're guys. getting a season two. She's yeah. A, like, yeah, that's, I'm okay with that. She's I still airing she, in America, so. Uh, yeah, I believe her when she says it's not in the bag yet, though. No, it's not in the bag yet, but I mean, it's in the bag in my head. Yeah. They'd be mad not to. Sure, we're sitting here still talking about the TV series. And exactly. I love when she was like, oh, it doesn't matter what the states think. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, the word she used was irrelevant. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Obsessed <laughs> with that. Um, next up is a lady who had us all fooled God. because she didn't wear a bra. It's Rosalind, a.k.a. Leah McNamara. Hey, guys. Hi, how are you? Really good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Oh, good. Yeah, thanks for calling. Not at all. I'm going to do my absolute best not to call you Rosalind. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. We're so invested. Don't we don't think you're anything like her. Don't worry. Don't worry, no, you are, but honestly, I've listened to bits of the podcast and it's so funny, like, honestly, but it's funny while at the same time still being, like, really interesting. Like, he actually has such a great balance. It's brilliant. I hope loads of people are listening. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. Oh, my God, thank you so much. You did a great job, too. Oh, you killed it. Like, well, you literally killed it, yeah. Jesus, I didn't see it coming. (laughs) I think uh, that's what I, I think I was in, what was it, episode five, I think, and you were talking about the stuff in the caravan part. And we were listening to you here and I was laughing because you felt, you were like, oh, I just felt so sorry for her. <laughs> and you were... I, was, <laughs> I, I also, I was roaring when you were like, oh, like, I mean, she doesn't even, I mean, first of all, can we talk about how can they afford a holiday home when Ross doesn't even have a bra? Oh, lad, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> we still oh, crack God. ourselves up about that. Rebecca laughs at that every day and she <laughs> said it. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but come here Rosalind just say, Rosalind you did it I tell you I, I do to everyone we talk to <laughs> Leah as soon no as worries. well I found out that Rosalind was evil it made so much sense where she got the sexy clothes from so fast on the so, caravan so pub so date quick. with Rob so fast <laughs> <laughs> with them out I say to be honest because I was thinking about it I was like I don't know if she'd have them in the house I'm like I say she probably robbed them and just like would rob because I don't think I do believe like she wouldn't have any money like they don't wouldn't give her an allowance to go off like I do there is some element of that in terms of like show even all the neighbours like oh she does everything and stuff like I would uh, there is an element of truth there in the sense of she doesn't have a life of her own like that definitely is true and that's absolutely no excuse yeah (laughs) yeah everything else but I say like I say she's well able to go into a shop and like rob something you know what I mean well um, able and come here what was it like playing someone that was so evil like how do you prepare for such a demented character <laughs> I know it was only you know maybe the the was it the final episode when we found out it was really the final episode yeah yeah but I mean you must have to transition into that headspace. I guess yeah so I mean I kind of I knew where it was going to be going with her from quite early on because I had obviously read the book um, once I'd been cast and stuff, I I read the book and I had a good bit of time actually with it before we started filming. So I I read the book, so I knew that that was the route that that she was behind, you know, the whole thing with Katie. So I guess I knew from then that she's a complete psychopath. So I was able to kind of start <laughs> thinking about that. So I got I actually got to go through books and I just did a lot of research on psychopaths as people and kind of how they operate and how their mind works because it's really specific because it's not they're not like mentally unwell mm. they actually are very clear in their morals because it's not that they don't have a moral compass they just believe their moral compass is correct and that they are yeah. completely right in what they're doing you know um so they're very interesting as people because people would are very quick to be like oh they're insane because of their actions but they're actually not they think very clearly 
in what they're doing. So, but they so get some calculated. Black That's so interesting. Just, I was just about to say, very calculated, very manipulative. They can often be really charming, you know, and they're very good at getting people on their side. Like, they're great liars. So, like, God, I, when I know people, a few people that <laughs> fit those criteria. You're taking the psychopath test boxes for you, Brendan. Well, you do. There's a, there's a, like, because I knew nothing about this, a reading where there's a lot of them actually that they're in, like, you know, embedded within society and they walk around and that you probably have, everyone has definitely come across actually one. Yeah. You know, they don't all turn into murderers and killers, you know, and also people they they can actually, you know, they can be very good in business and like That's white it, they're always jobs, CEOs. You know? I watched that John Robinson documentary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's depending on so depending on their upbringing and their background, that's obviously gonna have more of an indication of the decisions they're gonna end up making. But as people they are still inherently psychopaths and they will still carry themselves in a certain way. Um, but like, you know, they can be influenced by their environment and stuff in terms of how, where they're going to end up. So obviously Rosalind isn't coming from a great environment in that sense, in terms of, you know, her family situation, their financial situation, where they are, the, you know, the dynamic within the house is definitely, you know, unbearable, I would imagine. So, yeah, she was always going to kind of go a bad way. You you had us all fooled though, like that moment that we found out. I squealed that when we when it was revealed. You know oh. the shot of you running and then Simone's chasing you. Yes, oh, so. yeah, yeah. They did that really well in the edit. So like, clever, brilliant. Kind of, it is. Yeah, because you're kind of like, oh, Simone. Like, of course, you know, when you're everyone, you're kind of looking at her for a moment. Um, yeah, I thought they, I thought they did that quite well. Actually, the, what, the reveal was quite good. Was it hard to keep in? I know that you'd read the book, so you knew that Rosalind was responsible. But was it hard to keep in mm. that you were actually the Katie's killer? Your character was, not you. Hard in the sense of like, what do you mean in terms of like when you're when people like that you know or you know different people were asking you, oh, like what's happening in Dublin murders? Were you just like, oh yeah, poor Rosalind. Oh, yeah, so as in a while those episodes were kind of showing. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, different, yeah, for sure. Like, when people would be like, oh, my God, like, you're so... Thankfully, it was mostly, like, texts of people being like, oh, my God, like, so heartbreaking. Like, you, you know, like, it's so oh. sad. Like, you're great. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, thanks. Yeah, I'm like, I, but there's all, there was definitely that part of me that hoping that, you know, everyone would stick with it to the end. Because, I mean, that's when I really got to have a lot of fun with, you know, Sarah Phelps just came out with such amazing material you know to have a scene that long I think in in an hour's television that can play like that I think you really have to have such great material at source and I think she just gave she just came up with such amazing scenes and I think she did such a great job adapting them from those two books you know that it's just so much to kind of like get your teeth into and just have a lot of fun with this um those, yeah, it's a huge credit to her, you know. That that scene in the interview room uh, between you and Sarah Green, like I was squealing at the television. Was yeah. was, was that your, I'm assuming that was your favourite uh, scene? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, there, it was. It just goes to so many places and the dynamic between them, you know, because we've seen Rosalind a lot with Rob, you know, and that's kind of been its own separate thing. But the fact that there's another there's another element, I think, with Cassie and she kind of she has a good handle on them because she's taking in information all the time. So while, you know, they're just, she's distracting you with other stuff and, you know, she's manipulating them in other ways, she's constantly bringing in and she's very intelligent at reading situations and reading the dynamic between them. And she would definitely have picked up on all of that stuff for sure. So to get to sit down and, you know, and be with Sarah and have, 
to have that kind of material and to, for it to run at the length that it did and it goes, you know, where it begins and where it ends in terms of finding out, you know, that Rob is Adam, like that kind of bombshell to get to do that and be it and have, you know, I think we did it over a day and a half. It was originally going to be shot in a day, but then there was just so much to get because we also had the lads in, you know, behind the screen. Yeah. But that yeah. was also going to be playing. So they had, they had so much to cover, you know, in the length of it. So we ended up extending it to another half a day. So yeah, it was a full day and a half. But it, I mean, it looked so, much, so fun. much fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It looked like so much fun. And speaking of the lads yeah. behind the screen, you previously worked with Mo Dumford, who plays... Sam, you yes, were in Vikings yes. together. What was it like working together again? But well, I was, totally well, different so I scenario. Actually, yeah, I didn't actually work with Mo on Vikings, but we were we were definitely on the show at the same time. But we didn't have any stuff together. But I did a film called Metal Heart that I actually did get to work with Mo. So I actually, so we actually knew would have known each other anyways from that. So he's he's so lovely, you know. And it was so nice to have kind of such a just such a great group of really lovely people on the day and you get you're working with people that are as passionate about it as you are and are so invested in it you know and it was such a lovely job the crew were amazing you know that was obviously all the crew that would have been coming off Game of Thrones and they're up in Belfast and they're all just just such a lovely group of people and you know John Hayes who directed those episodes he's he's absolutely brilliant such a lovely guy so when you get to just be around that, you know, and that gets to be your birthday, I mean, it's amazing. And I just I just feel really fortunate to have get, gotten to work with the people I have and to have gotten to work with that material and that part, like, so early on in my career. I just feel really fortunate at all to have been able to do that, you know. Yeah, and Leah, um, you're, you know, I know that you're saying that the crew were all amazing. Did you guys go on any mad nights out during filming or did you have a rap party? Any crack, any scandal? Give us the goss. <laughs> we did, we actually, we did have a rap um we did have a rap party, which is oh. great crack. I was, I kind of was a little bit of a recluse while while we were filming because you know Rosalind is such a strange, such a strange <laughs> person. I was kind of kept it. I definitely would have uh, kept the head down mostly, but no, the rap was great crack. But um, we actually did have some photos to get taken for stars, um, which is the network that is showing in the, in the states the day, the morning after the rap party. So I also had a self tape <laughs> to do the morning after the rap party. So I was kind of. Had a bit of fun, but not an insane, and not an insane amount of fun. Um, but it was, you know, it was kind of off and on. So I was kind of got to be home a bit in Limerick while we were filming, and also in Dublin a little bit. So um, I'm from Limerick, so I, it meant filming in Belfast on my off time. I kind of meant I got to home and see my family and stuff, oh, which is really nice to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Come here, Leah. Very important question: Why mm. did Rosalind not have a bra? <laughs> 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 So, based, so I think there's a multiple kind of reasons why I would, in my head anyway, it's for that. So I think the no bra thing, like, she knows that there's going to be detectives coming to the house. Like, she knows the body is going to be found and that that's all going to unfold. You know, the likelihood that one of them is going to be a man is, is pretty high. So, ah, you know, she's she done all her background research on everybody. So for them to come to the house, it's, you know, and I know Cassie and Rob have seen about it and she says Rosalind, like that's weird, like and what the hell is the story with the brand? He's like, Oh, I didn't notice that but like he definitely would have noticed that but doesn't want to admit that because, you know, she's a teenager. But it is a weird distracting thing and it isn't something that you would see and it's also setting up the element of all the clothes that she's wearing as mm-hmm. her mom's old clothes. So it's trying to put this thing out there of like, I'm so neglected, I don't get anything for myself, I don't even have a bra that fits me, these are my mom's old you know, skirt and shirt and her shoes and stuff. I have nothing of my own. 
And it also creates an element of does he not, I think he might have touched on this, like does he not let her wear a bra? Because yeah. it's, it's all yeah, basically, it's planting, yeah, it's planting the seed of that abuse of what she wants people to think is going on within the house. I don't think she would have, She there's no way she always wore those clothes specifically because they're so dramatic and weird. But it's like what it's putting a thing of like, oh, does her dad make her dress in her mom's old clothes? Yeah. Like has his daughter and his wife wearing the same stuff, you know, because there's definitely a period that where, you know, the audience should have been everyone's kind of looking at Jonathan because there's something, you know, you think there's something off. And he does have his own past as well, definitely, for sure. So for, it was all about setting that up of a thing of is there neglect going on? Is there abuse going on? And wanting to put that in their heads and whatever strange way that she could you know I can't wait to watch um, it back now knowing that she's a full psychopath and wondering yeah. if there's clues yeah because that's all brilliant um so in the meantime we don't know if we're getting a season two yet and we don't know if Roslyn will return mm. but in the meantime you are appearing in the tv adaptation of Sally Rooney's normal people which is so exciting alongside yes, Sarah Green yeah. but you probably won't have any yes. scenes together but um is there anything that you can tell us about that um, anything I can tell you, obviously working with Lenny Abramson was great. I mean, you know, he's just he's just so amazing. So to get to work with him was oh, re- was really nominated. special. Uh, yeah, I mean, wow! Like you know, what work did you want? And I just think the show. I think the show from obviously you know you never know until you see it. But I think it's coming around April time. But I think I think they have found in you know Daisy and Paul who are going to be playing Marianne and Connell. I think they have found something really different that you don't see like neither of them are you know massive superstars you know or huge names like it's Paul's first TV job and I think this as a show is is just going to be purely about the story and purely about people without any of the massive bells and whistles that you see and it definitely you know it'll appeal to teenagers I'm sure but you know you know a lot of the shows you see maybe on Netflix and stuff of these kind of teenage shows are about teenagers it can be quite a like glamorized version of what that actually is to be someone at that age and what it is trying to go through the motions of being in school having relationships like trying to figure out what your life is and how that can be impacted based on your class and where you're from and you know your intellectual ability and it's it's, I think it's definitely going to be a version of a show that people can fall in love with that is just very raw Um, that would be this yeah, no, I think I think it's I think it's going to be something. I think think it's going to be anything like anyone's seen before. Is is my feeling on it? I'm just so happy to have gotten to be such a, a small part. I'm such a small part in it, but I mean, you so know, you're are you Connell's girlfriend that that he meets? Could we love the book? So or, or who's your character? Right. So I'm so I'm playing Rachel Moore, and so Rachel is in the book who. He kind of, they kind of were with each other in school. They're kind of in within the frame. Yeah, she's yeah. one of the, so the cooler girls, the girls in school, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. So the cool girl in school, and yeah. he, like who in the book, it's like a really sad moment. He ends up asking her to the dead instead of Marianne in yes. the book, and that's like spoiler for whoever. <laughs> it's oh, it's going to be um, brilliant. I can't wait. What a yeah, book. Yeah. So she, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I'm I'm and Sally Rooney obviously adopted the majority of the series I think she did the first six episodes of 12 half an hour oh, episodes wow. and I think yeah so so much of the scenes are really quite close actually to what the, the book is so I think people who are fans of the book I think they're going to be really happy with it um yeah, yeah so really, April. I mean, she's amazing she's so talented yeah April Love Aprilish it. is what I've been told so yeah brilliant fantastic we cannot wait Leah thank you so much Hi. for chatting with us today and best of luck with everything Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on. It was so nice to talk to you. Oh, Leah, thank Leah, you thank so you. much. You're so nice.
Not at all. Thanks so much. And best of luck with the rest. I can't wait to see what show you do next. I'm definitely going to watch it. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Well, guys, it's safe to say she's nothing like Rosalind. At all. At the amount of research she did into the into psychopaths. Yeah. I love. She's so nice, guys. We had two for look, two now. Yeah. Oh, listen. People are going to think we paid them for the compliment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could just read this script, there's we'll another email bag of potato under the table. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, now I so have called her Rosalind. Oh, sure, look, this, this happens. happens to us all. We really were invested, Hannah. That just um, shows your commitment to the series <laughs> and to the cause. Also, we found out why Rosalind doesn't wear a bra. I mean. Which is great. Crafty. It's all you wanted Exclusive to know. Info. I have been waking up in the middle of the night wondering why Rosalind isn't wearing a bra. <laughs> you know you wake up in a cold sweat. You're like, oh. these are the exclusive facts people come to this podcast for. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next up, we have another, would we call him? He's absolutely a murderer, Rebecca. <laughs> yes. Would we call him would a murderer? Would we call him, yeah, would you call him a psychopath? Would you call him someone? Oh, no. no, he was a vulnerable individual a, who was duped. It's Damien. What's Damien? Damien's second name in the series. Oh, Damien you, Donnelly. Oh, is it? Damien Donnelly, played by Johnny Holden, is up next. So, Damien, what are Damien? I knew I was going to do that. We keep going. We kept calling Leah Rosalind as well. Uh, Johnny, what has life been like since Dublin Murders? Yeah, it's been pretty pretty normal, to be honest, because, you know, when you finish filming something, it doesn't come out for another six, seven months, so you just get on with life, really. But, um, yeah, it's been cool. It's it, There's been good response to it over here in England as well. And, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's getting an absolutely unbelievable response. Did you read the books before you got, um, or you auditioned, or you got the character? I have to be honest, when I auditioned, I got sent two, the first two episodes. Uh, and I read them and I called my agent and I said, I just thought they were the best things I'd read in about a year. Oh. And I called my agent and I said, I don't care who I play in this. I'll play a postman. I just want to be in it. Mm. Um, and then I actually auditioned for a different part <gasps> and didn't get it. Give and us then, the inside what, what scoop. Part? What part was it? I went for... Um, Quigley? I can say I can say this name because he's a good friend of mine. Uh, but the... Uh, the lovely, handsome, well cheekboned feeling. Ah, oh, you would have made a good feeling as well. Feeling here, isn't that a? So it, it was totally weird. So then I didn't, I didn't get that role. Uh, my agent called me, kind of said, "Look, sorry, man, I haven't gone any further." But they're they're starting to talk to you about a different role. And then uh, I was actually filming something else, and I was in the airport about to get on a plane, and my agent called me, said they've given you a different role, off the bat. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. They said that lad looks like a murder, um, and then, um, and then uh, not a compliment. Then, yeah, all I knew was in it, and then I got another call about two days later saying, "Oh, and all we know is that you'll be playing the guy who did it," kind of thing. Okay, um, so that's so, when you found out that you were going to play a killer. So you knew from the minute you walked onto set. Yeah, but I hadn't, I hadn't read the book yet, and I remember going to the first read through and a few of the cast members talking about reading the book because I. I, I don't, as an actor, I don't massively like being influenced by the inspiration. I just like dealing with the what we're dealing with itself, the actual scripts. Um, but then I felt very guilty and I went and I read the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has to be done. Uh, Johnny, uh, can you describe the colour flen- uh, French blue to me, please? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, like, what shade are we talking? We've had borderline arguments about this. Yeah, what is well, a what French do, what blue? Do you think? What do you think? 
But well, I, I said the flag. I'm torn like a between deep. a pale blue or a deep blue. I mean, I'm covering all bases. I there. keep thinking a duck egg colour, but that's definitely not French blue. It's duck egg. We've gone in three different directions here, Johnny, and <laughs> we need your help. <laughs> very different. Well, the I know the middle class loves it. That's all I know. Uh, <laughs> I was going a, a, a slightly darker version of what's on the French flag. That's what I was Oh, oh guys, oh, I win. Now, I wish we'd made a bet. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't mind a dress in that colour. You were like sky blue or a navy, somewhere in between. Like, <laughs> so completely covered. Every shade. Yeah. Johnny had us all fooled in the series. I thought you were this lovely, friendly fella the whole the whole way who through. Who cried a bit. Who cried a bit. You were a bit emotional. Was it hard keeping it in to people who hadn't read the books and they were watching it? Um, it's, do you know what the great thing about Sarah's writing is that everyone has a secret? But obviously the secret that everyone wants to know and something like this is like, who did it? So I didn't tell anybody except my partner. So she was the only person I had kind of told. And then even on set, because we were getting the scripts as we were going. um, And a lot of the, like, like pretty much all the crew hadn't read the books or anything. So they were all on set going, do you know who did it? Do you know who did it? And I was like, no, no, I'm not sure. Oh, that's great. That's really good, but boys on set, isn't it? It's great. And then, like, Conleth Hill, who played Kelly, just came in one day. Adore. Into into the green room before, yeah, absolute legend, and just kind of looked at me and went, I learned something about you today. I thought he was talking about me, like, personally. I was like, jeez, what dirt has he got on me now? But I realised he was talking about that. So it was, it was great to have a secret. M- my only worry as an actor was that, was I going to make him so, you know, so, like, needy that people were just going to, like, know it was him straight away. Um, no, well, no. Thing, we didn't have a clue. Knocked for well, six. So I'm glad, I'm glad. Well, it's great because even if people did guess it, the whole Rosalind twist is even better, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's layers to that there murder. Is. All because of a bloody biscuit as well. And you kind of answered this question biscuit. already, but um, what was the crack like on set? Did everyone get on? Was it a good buzz? It was unreal. Honestly, from from the extras all the way up to the directors and Killian and Sarah, there, there wasn't a bad person on set. And it was great. And it's a bit, I, I, mean, I think... The testament of a job is how many people you stay in touch with when you finished it. And we finished filming this in like February, March, earlier this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I see Ian, who played Feeling probably like uh, every week. My fave. Um, Yeah, your fave. Uh, I'll let the crack and WhatsApp group. um, You know, I stay in touch with Sarah. I stay in touch with um, some of the makeup girls. Um, uh, Eugene, who played Quigley. Love you, Gino. Hair. Oh, absolute legend of a man. <laughs> he's funny. Um, he's, he's, he's great crack. Um, yeah. I'm with him. So, yeah, I mean, I've just stayed in touch with everyone and it was it was just such a great buzz. There, there was never a day you didn't want to be there. So, yeah. Oh, nice. uh, come here, Johnny. What are you working on next? Uh, I have a TV show coming out where I make a brief appearance called Baghdad Central. comes out later this year. Okay. Mm. I've just said it though. Um, Tell us more. <laughs> it was made by the same production company who did the Blue Murders, actually. Oh, um, now will be what that's going on the list. Yeah, there you go. I was only doing um, location-based dramas, so um, that's coming out this year, and then uh, some other stuff next year as well. Absolutely brilliant! Exciting times. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Good. Do you have any really random stories that happened on set that no one would know about? Who was the most crack out of all the characters? Uh, out of the cast? Yes. Yeah. Um, I absolutely adore Sarah Green. Um, 
I she's think. fab. We got to chat to her and uh, Killian before the first episode went out. Yeah, I mean, they're both absolutely amazing. Um, they're both great crack. Sarah is one of those really annoying people that she's so talented and lovely. And she's a great messer on set. And then she can just turn it on. And you're like, how do you do that? Like, how do you how do you go from naught to 60 and be like such a messer and then just turn it on and be absolutely amazing? So um, I have a lot of time for Sarah. And similarly for Killian, I, I would say Killian probably made me feel most at ease on set which was great. But that that big dramatic scene where obviously I just kind of confess all, that took about two days to film because it's obviously quite a long scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by the end of it, you know, you're just saying the same thing. And Killian and Eugene, who are obviously um, interrogating me, just lost it. They just, We all just kind of lost the plot. <laughs> and in between takes, they were just going, you do cry quite a lot. You know what I mean? So we're just going, yeah, we're just reciting the lines in ridiculous ways to keep ourselves amused. And yeah, so the pair of them were great crack. Yeah, they it looked it like it looked fun. Like the show was so dramatic, but I just I got the vibe that it was very good crack. Just by people's tweets about it, I think. Yeah, it was great because I think when you're dealing with such tough subject matter, you just have to keep it light as well, otherwise you'll go mad. Especially for Killian and Sarah. Yeah, so true. And Johnny, um, I need to ask you this. I, I don't know how many... You did have a few scenes with them. Dr. Hanley, the wine in the woods. I know you weren't in that scene, but what was that like on set, watching him pour the wine all over himself? Oh, it was great. I love Jonathan. We actually did a TV show together last year, and then uh, we did a radio play together this year as well. So we worked together a few times. So I got on set and was like, oh my gosh, look, Jonathan, how are you? Um. Yeah, mad. They did that. They, I was on set the day they did it, but I was there the day after. And uh, <laughs> apparently they didn't really think about it. And obviously it's a really cold night and they hadn't really like worn the wine apparently. Oh, no. So they just kind of like left it out chilled. And um, he was getting a lot of applause from the crew for just getting it done because it was a freezing night apparently. Oh. And uh, a cold slap. Apparently. I know, apparently on the first take, he just went for it. And obviously no one had really thought about it. And he poured it all over him and apparently just went, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh best like, served chills. Like, okay, cool. Maybe, you know, maybe let's warm the wine guys, poor Jonathan. But apparently he just, he did a stellar job. I mean, a crazy scene. And we weren't helping him by slagging him off before he had to film it anyway. So. Amazing. No, we Amazing. loved that scene so much. It was great. So and he's a, for yeah, Jonathan. He's a yeah. yeah, he's uh, loads of props. Yeah. <laughs> Fab. Uh, Johnny, come here. Thanks so much for talking to us. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure to have you on. My pleasure, guys. Thanks, Emil, for having me. Well, that was my favourite um, story. <laughs> uh, like a, a non TV show related story about the wine being freezing. The man and poor Dr. Hanley <laughs> I mean, not being able to catch his breath. Honestly, he must have been. Like, guys, I actually, that scene is one of, it sticks with me. It You're right. Though. I want to watch all of it again now, knowing, knowing yeah, knowing all these little yeah. things. Yeah, so interesting to to hear that he auditioned for a different role as well in the series. Your beloved feeling. Oh, listen, there's only one feeling, but I do think that Johnny would have done a great job. Do yeah. you ever randomly Google that? Sometimes there's articles on like people who went for roles, like massive celebrities, like Leonardo DiCaprio went for this, but Tom Hanks got it. I got kind of like I don't know, really pulled into articles like that. Sometimes. Hocus Pocus, Leonardo DiCaprio was meant to play Max. Excuse Denison. me, what? 
yeah. see Brendan, see how interesting yes. it is. And you know what else is interesting? Googling celebrities that are the same age and being really freaked out by it. <laughs> and I think, oh, yes. that's a good one now. <laughs> Isn't it? And I think Britney Spears was originally meant to release Diamonds by Rihanna. Something yeah, weird like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There Someone like recorded that, yeah. a yeah. demo. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, tangent. <sighs> As fucking usual, yeah. We love Johnny Holden. Yeah, absolutely fab. Madonna and Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Oh my God, really? See you guys? No, yeah, I can't believe that though, no? Nicholas Cage and Rob Lowe, Jared Leto and Martin Freeman. There's just three for you. Enjoy oh. the world of celebs that are the same age. That's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Hannah. <laughs> Who's next? Um, Kathy Monaghan, who plays Margaret. Hi. Hey, how are you? It's Brendan, Hannah and Reb here from Shrine Podcasts. Hello. Hiya, Brendan. <laughs> Come here, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, look, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. No problem at all. Like, we've just loved watching the show. Like, loved it. Um, oh, that's c- can you Can you tell us, like, bring us back to the start about, like, what your audition process was like and, and, and getting the part? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so, um, originally, I auditioned for a completely different part. Ah. So I, yeah. Who? I, Who did you audition? Audition- <laughs> I auditioned for someone else and then... Oh, go on, tell I us who. <laughs> and then I didn't get that part, but... Okay. Um, I remember they got back to me and they said, um, look, we really like what Kathy did, but we're not sure that that's the particular route we want her to go, so we're going to keep her in mind for something else. And then, true enough, because sometimes they say that, but that's not actually the, the truth. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm-hmm. that's not the way it goes. Um, but they got back and they brought me in for... For Margaret and I did did the audition with them and I think it was literally within within a week or two I was told um, they'd love to have me on board and I said yeah yeah I was delighted with, with Margaret I mean I, I, I liked her I know she's a, a tragic individual but um, yeah. I was excited <laughs> I was excited with the challenge I have to say and she literally doesn't smile once no. in the show she must have been a draining character to play and to get into that headspace. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was. There's no, there's no denying that poor Margaret. I mean, you know, you, you meet her at the lowest point in her life. Um, you know, she's just full of grief and guilt. And I mean, it, it's the, the brutal truth of where she is and what has happened all those years ago. You know, I think she's just, She's just in a bad, bad place. Uh, and that's so true. There is no smiles. Even when we were um, doing a photo shoot for stars, the photographer was lovely and he had music playing in the background. And, uh, I mean, he commented, he was like, yeah, no, there's no, there is no, that, that isn't actually Margaret's character. There is no smile. We don't see that from her. And, I mean, it just, it wouldn't be truthful in in the context of where you meet Margaret. You know, she, is, she definitely has an awful lot to be somber and sad and miserable about yeah, yeah, definitely. You played her so well. Um, and did oh, you had you so read much. the books before? Like, did you know that Rosalind ha- killed? Well, was re- responsible for killing Katie? No, no, I, 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 no, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know that particular truth. Um, I was kind of reading it as I got cast. So, so once I knew I had um, had the part, I could kind of you know then do the. A manic of, of what books I needed to catch up on, and <laughs> and then when the script came through, it was you know. Um, but I kind of I had to I, even if I remember back, I I don't think I wanted to know too much. If I'm honest with you, just for for the 
obviously you need to know what's going on and you need to know the, the context of what's happening. But there's a, a kind of a nice element to, to you know, smart, but not actually knowing what's going on. Because yeah, because your character yeah. doesn't know. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was kind of conscious of that I wanted to know as much as I could um, about the, you know, the, the situation she found herself in. But no, I, I, I didn't know that Rosalind was, um, was responsible. That was uh, everybody was like, "Oh my god, I didn't see that coming." <laughs> yeah, and come here, Kathy, you obviously acted kind of mostly opposite uh, Peter McDonald, who played your husband, Jonathan Devlin. Yeah, he yeah. was terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. How was that? You know, co- yeah, a couple of people said to me because um, they didn't recognize. It, it was only actually like after maybe the first or second episode they were like, "Oh my god, that's your man off Moon Boy," or you know what I mean? Yes. That it's just, and that's that's a, a a brilliant thing because that's I mean he he was playing such a a scary character I mean you know there was many people who thought maybe did he do it yeah you know, totally what's his yeah what's his connection to I this? was convinced and, it was him same yeah I mean and he he was a pleasure to work with I mean he really was he was you know miserable and awful as my husband but you know <laughs> off camera he was <laughs> he was a delight really lovely guy and like just so talented so it was just it was so easy to be around him you know. Now, Kathy, that shower yeah. scene when you <laughs> get in the shower with Rosalind is like the scene from Psycho. Like I'll never forget it. How did you prepare for that? Oh, that was uh, and listen as well. That comes across as a daytime scene, <clears throat> but we actually shot that at night. So to add, you know, uh, terror and and freezing and other elements to that. So. I mean that was uh, that was pretty intense. Even even shooting, you know, even just being aware of, you know, Rosalind in the shower on her own, um, mm. you know, the the just the eerie feel of it, and and also even coming out with those words. I mean, they're heavy, heavy words to say. You know, I I, I wish you didn't. You know, you, you just weren't. It's just the 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 weight of what Margaret said. Yeah, you were never wanted. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I never wanted you. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, I mean that was. That was, you know, I mean, that was really, really just cut deep. Yeah, you, know? you have to um, dig deep for something like that. Yeah, 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 definitely. And even Rosalind, you know, when she said when, I mean, I think we shot it, I think there was maybe three or four times we shot that. And then obviously they needed to get up at the right angles and. Uh, but and draw you off every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the girls, That's the truth. The crew were amazing. They were literally waiting outside, hot water bottles, back to the tent, you know, trying to just fix you up for continuity. And then it's just really just trying to keep in your own head, you know, just to, to, to really make that believable that she just, you know, why does she not like Rosalind? What is all that going on mm. behind? I mean, you know, Margaret wasn't aware that Rosalind had done that, but she is on some level just knows that Rosalind is, you know, she's just part and parcel of the badness. Yeah. The, the, the past yeah and uh, it just seems to have all do you think that um, Margaret was just carrying obviously all just the weight that complete burden or there was uh, something that happened in the caravan park was Jonathan potentially also slipping her pills or drugging her or medicating her or was she just carrying the weight of everything over the years no I think she was for me personally um, I mean I think Margaret just was broken you know, she's a, a she was a broken soul from what had happened when they were children. You know, with all the 
because she was part of all that. You know, she would have been around. She knew the, the missing kids and, and, and how herself and Jonathan actually got together. And, you know, so that was, and then she never really, that, that was true. She didn't want Rosalind, you know. That was just something that they tried to make work. And I think when Jessica and Katie um, came along, they played by the brilliant Amy Mackin. I mean, she's just, she was just amazing playing the two girls. Um, I think, you know, Katie was like her, her hope. There was a, um, a hope in Margaret. And then as soon as Katie got ripped away in just horrific circumstances and that it's still connected, like Margaret was aware that it was somewhat connected to the past. Didn't know how, what, but that the past was, was part of this and was responsible. And I think that was the main, that was just Margaret's focus for, you know, the the misery that she just found herself in and what she was trying to deal with. I don't, I mean, I don't know if maybe that's how uh, Peter was, but I, I, mm-hmm. I never felt, I felt that Jonathan just, I think he didn't know what to think. He didn't know what to do. I mean, he felt guilt and remorse himself for what had happened. And I think he was just trying to manage Margaret. You know, I think she wanted to be there. I mean, she's very distant from Rosalind and from Jessica. You know, I think that yeah. all her hope was in Katie. Uh, and, and when she went and in just the worst way possible, I think that's just the end of, of mm. Margaret. I think Margaret just, had nothing left her. to give, yeah. No, yeah, that's the way that it just... And even when, you know, the last scene, when it all came to just ahead with um, Rosalind, that we know that's what she did. I mean, I could just see Margaret, you know, packing bags and saying good luck to everyone, and that yeah. was the end of what she was done, you know? Another <laughs> theory... Um, Another theory that we had, Cathy, was that um, yeah. Jonathan was having an affair with Simone. Yeah. Do you think that that was a possibility? Yes, absolutely. I think Margaret just, but I don't think she even, you know, I think she was even gone past caring. I don't think yeah. that yeah. she really, I don't think she cared. I just think she was given up, you know, she just, it bothered her that uh, Simone was, you know, maybe trying to take Katie. It was irrational nonsense as well. And she was definitely doing an awful lot of pill popping herself. Yeah. Trying to self-medicate, just trying to get through the day because, you know, I don't think it wasn't a case for her for living for her other two, which is just, you know, unimaginable as a, you know, her as a mother, that there was two other children in the home that still needed caring for and minding. Um, and she just, you know, she was just gone, absent. She was there in body, but mind was, was just gone. We also had a theory. Um, there was a scene that mentioned a lot of pink and blue. Um, it was the the pink yeah. of the coffin. We yeah. thought that there was a twin swap at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you wouldn't know. No, no. <laughs> we just got no, a little poor, too into um, it. A bit carried away. Yeah, no. It was. I mean, it 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 actually comes. You know, just how kind of a bit silly Margaret is as well. That other people knew her children better than. Yeah. You know, she did. Okay. You know, the her favorite colors, what they liked. I mean, Margaret was just, she just was, um, I mean, I don't, I'm trying uh, to think Kathy, of the nice I'm j- possible. Did you, like, when you finished filming each day, did you come away almost kind of feeling a bit like Margaret? Like, was it, like, it was really heavy to watch. Were you, did you come away feeling a bit down? No, if I'm honest with you, I mean, I've, I've done this long enough to know, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm there, when I get the script, when I'm on set, when I'm prepping before, you know, yes, I, I get into the headspace that, that I, you know, is needed for whatever scenes I'm filming. 
but I'm really good at not, you know, taking that home or just sort of, you know, shaking off that particular character and it doesn't, because I have played some, you know, pretty um, heavy characters before and I just, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't take it home. I, I sort of put Margaret, you know, in her place now. You definitely don't want to take Margaret home, no. And I can no. look at her now from no, an thanks. outsider point of view, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and Cathy, you just, she was such a poignant character and you played her absolutely beautifully. What's next for you? Oh, thank you so much. That's lovely to hear. Thanks a million. Um, well, I have uh, The Boys from County Hell. That's coming out. And um, that's a feature film, I think it was. We filmed in Belfast as well. And Vikings. Yes. Yes. A lot of Viking Dublin murder crossover. Yeah, listen, that is, I mean, Vikings, I'm playing um, uh, a shield maiden, Lagata's shield maiden. I mean, I did, um, we did uh, training for this. It's a completely different character. There is nothing sort of downtrodden, sad. This Vikings era is my character in Vikings, and she is um, a serious mm, fighter. There is. You know, there's no. Yeah, so you get a little break from Margaret Bale. Yeah, yeah, although physically, so Margaret emotionally and mentally was draining, whereas Vikings physically, that was heavy going. (laughs) It really was. I mean, we filmed it as well in in November, November, December, January time. So that was, um, that was extremely, that was extremely physically demanding, definitely. Well, Cathy, thank you so much for Aww. talking to us. That sounds so exciting. We can't wait to watch you in the new seasons of yeah. Vikings. And we loved <laughs> having you on the show. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million guys for having me. Do you have to like go into your audition and they just ask you a couple of questions and gauge if you're the nicest person in Ireland and then you get the job? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. And that's not me being a lick artist, but these are like a collection of the most polite people I've ever spoken to. Very polite, yeah. Very polite, because Irish people are lovely, aren't they? Yeah, but some Irish people can be like very crass and loud and we're just getting really, really sweet, lovely people <laughs> that sound like we paid them to thank us and compliment <laughs> Yeah. Us. Um, I love the way there was like a common thread there that uh, poor Cathy was under the cold water a bit like um, what's his name with the red wine yes. oh Dr. Dr. Hanley. Hanley yeah and I love that we can ask characters questions and they can give us as actors their opinion their mm-hmm. on their what? interpretation because yeah. everything is still open so I love that we kind of got from Cathy that the there was no twin swap <laughs> let it fucking yeah, go let it like, go thank god we cleared that up guys because okay, that was a massive <laughs> question mark and that she wasn't being drugged by her husband and yeah. then we also learned that Jonathan was actually having an affair with Simone now and Rebecca sat back with one of the smuggest faces oh. I've ever seen. Your line of questioning Thrilled. tonight. <laughs> I was just like, listen, I need to know. But also, Joe, you know what I found really interesting? Um, we we obviously thought there was a twin swap going on with the <laughs> colour mixing up. But I love that Cathy summarised it that actually Margaret didn't know her daughters as, as well, well as, as she other thought. People did. That kind of broke and that my was heart. Really, really sad, yeah. 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 And I don't know how we didn't think of that. We really went full twin swap instead. We went full theory, yeah. yes. <laughs> Um, up next, we've got Kiva or Quiva O'Malley. Quiva. Quiva. Yes, this is our last one of the evening, and she played Rob's absolutely fantastic housemate, Heather. Hi, how are you guys? Thanks for having me. How are you getting on? We love you, Quiva. <laughs> Do you? Thank you. <laughs> Well, first of all, we have to apologise because we called you Helen in the podcast, um, but oh. we found out today that it was because the BBC subtitles said Helen instead of Heather. 
yeah oh my god that's where all like we, we were actually to laugh all of us because like yeah the BBC thing came out and then um, pretty much everyone thought I was Helen <laughs> which I was totally fine with <laughs> but um, yeah, we're vindicated BBC, guys it's not our fault it's not your fault honestly like my friends were all like so Helen and I was like that's not the character's name <laughs> Um, but I think it was the sub. It was the BBC released like a clip of the um, the first scene with Killian, and um, the subtitle person put Helen instead of Heather. So great, it's not Helen our fault. It's not your fault at Perfect. all. P forty five. Come here, uh, Quiva. Um, are you a better housemate in real life than Heather is? I'd l- I'd like to think so. <laughs> Do you label everything in the fridge and the freezer? No, I definitely wouldn't be a labeler myself. Um, I, like I'm actually not very good in the kitchen, so I probably wouldn't be in there a lot. But um, no, I am actually really tidy. The one thing I think me and Heather probably have in common. But <laughs> that's I'm a not good trait, though. Now, Quiva, I was shocked yeah. when I watched this scene. But what was it like being dropped on the ground mid-ride by Killian Scott outside a nightclub? <laughs> Oh god, this action is so funny because the like, <laughs> scenes are like that's so great. Like we we kind of knocked out in stages because pretty much he goes into this neck spasm and then like you're on the ground and like it was kind of set it up a few different ways. But that was actually outside like the night that we had in Belfast somewhere and like I think like a few of the extras I was talking to that day were like, um, oh yeah, this is real like nightclub so it was yeah it was like not the most glamorous situation but like out the back there was definitely like you know it was an alleyway behind a nightclub let's just put it that way but like there the guys were so great like we had like crash mats down like you kind of like don't even see that there's this crash mats covered so with boxes fall. and stuff yeah. like that for like a tiny fall so it was grand <laughs> it was it was very entertaining to did watch. you did you get it done in the one take or did you have to be dropped a few times <laughs> We yeah, I had to be dropped probably a few times. <laughs> you must yeah. have been black and blue. <laughs> and to be honest with you, it was so cold and like you know you're out there and like they, the guys are so lovely when you're filming. Like they they run in and put keep warms on you like the minute you're not shooting. But like once you're going, it's like okay, take them off. And it was like very cold. It was kind of like a night like tonight. It was really really cold. So you're kind of just like okay, let's get through this. Let's get this done. Oh my gosh! So so worth it. Thank you for that moment. <laughs> it brought us a lot of joy and Aquiva it, it, it what, uh, yeah. what do you think is actually wrong with Rob's neck um, I don't know although one of you said which I thought was hilarious um, were you like somebody said it was like being with Heather is like a form of punishment for him or something <laughs> what did one of you say and I like he hated himself heard. yeah you had a way of putting it I can't remember what it was so. oh neither was can like, we it was like it's self, it's it's some form of like self harm or something, and I like, I just like laughed so much when I heard it. I was like, yeah, that probably is true, actually. Oh, that is so mean. I actually feel so bad saying that now to your face, even though you're not real Heather. But still yeah. So bad. yeah, don't worry, it's not me. No, but I think actually, it's like, it's, yeah, he he was in a dark place. But um, no, I don't know. I don't know what the next thing is. Does Sarah, does Sarah Phelps give you any answers to this? Yeah, I think we actually forgot to ask her. To ask her. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I think it's just like, I don't know, it must be like a trauma thing. It must be like a, a, a trauma thing. But Killian was like very funny, like back, backstage, um, like when we weren't shooting in the green room and stuff, because he had to do, I, I don't think he was on the, the edit that happened in the episode, but um, 
there was a like shot where he was walking through the nightclub a bit more with the neck. Um, and Killian was very funny. He looked like he did Quasimodo at one point. So we, we yeah, got but him. Yeah, I thought you were wetting yourselves <laughs> at some point. <laughs> like, I think you definitely have to try to make yourself laugh in between takes and stuff. So we were like, get up there, Killian, and do Quasimodo, which is, he's very good at, to be fair. <laughs> he was. If he ever needs to play the role, I think he's got it, you know? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Um, speaking of Sarah Phelps, she tweeted, um, and this is a quote, the outrageously gifted and stunning Quiva O'Malley. There was a deranged scene which never made it into the cut. But holy shit, the coming, t- uh, the, the comic. comic timing of the woman is two fire emojis. Tell us about it. <laughs> I was actually, I knew you guys were going to ask. This. Um, <laughs> it was so, it was funny. I didn't know actually, um, I was, it was lovely that Sarah said that she like such an absolute legend like I'm so in love with the woman I think everybody who meets her and like knows her work is like she's incredible and um yeah we had a we had a really funny scene that was meant to be in episode three and when I was at the premiere which you guys were at actually and I never got to see it um, so like I well I didn't know the podcast before now but like I'll know it now um so no, it would have been lovely to to say hello to you guys. Um, but yeah, at the at the premiere, um, we saw episode one, obviously, and um, Sarah did say to me, like I think Sarah and one of the producer Kate said to me that like you know one of the scenes didn't make it in. So this was a really funny, funny. Like I loved it when I read it, and it was it was it is bonkers. I think Sarah will say that herself. But um, basically, the story is that. Um, Rob came home one night and um, he enters. I feel like I should do it like almost the way you guys do it, a breakdown episode. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, we're loving that. You're the fourth member. You You're like, okay, episode five. And this is what happens. I love <laughs> Rob. It's so funny. I feel like I could do each one of your voices. But basically, Rob <laughs> comes do. in the door. <laughs> he comes in the door to the, to the sounds of Heather moaning and having sex and um he walks through the door and heather has brought a gentleman caller should we say um home they're having sex on the kitchen countertop oh. and um heather looks to rob and like see wants to see his reaction and um basically the guy she's having sex with sees rob and is like what the hell is going on who is this guy and i'm like i'll keep going you're grand don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of it was a bit of a play between the two of them I think Heather was expecting a reaction from Rob and of course Rob being Rob he didn't react didn't at all one. and proceeded to make a sandwich while no! <laughs> how can we get this footage we need to see this <laughs> I haven't actually seen it so I mean it was really funny on the page it was uh, really like you had to laugh when we were shooting it and so basically <laughs> Heather keeps um going with it and this poor guy, actually, he's he plays like Adam is his name, and he was in the nightclub. You got to see him a little bit. I Another was Adam. Oh, you were dancing with him, and then Rob came down and stole you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So his real name is Adam. So um, very um, confusing. Brady, I know, and so he's the guy that I brought home from the nightclub, like before the nightclub, and um, basically Rob proceeds to make a sandwich, and then. Um, I end up getting into a heated debate with him about like how he's toxic and he's a mess and, <laughs> and Rob just is really having nothing of Heather. This poor guy is in like absolute 
bollock naked <laughs> and, um, he's like what the hell is going on and so it's kind of it was kind of a scene between Rob and Heather it was just a bit of a kind of a power play thing and then Rob just walks out Heather doesn't know what to say and uh, just calls him an arsehole amazing oh, I hope it's on the DVD extra yeah, we need to see it and Cueva what's next know. for you what are you working on at the minute so I just filmed, or uh, just uh, finished shooting um, an RTE TV series called Southwesterlies, which is going to be yes. out next year at some point. So it's a comedy, so um, a little bit different from Dublin Murders, but hopefully, yeah, it's as, as successful. <laughs> Brilliant. We will keep an eye out for that. And thank you so much for chatting to oh, us and listening no to problem, our guys. absolute shite talk. Drivel. Oh my God, Drivel. honestly, I've loved it. You guys are so funny. And the one thing that I love so much about you guys, it's like, it's like listen to just a friend, like just chat, you know, and just the descriptions you put on things. And like even when you were up one night and you didn't know that it was back on at the normal time. <laughs> oh, God. Just, it the was very entertaining. Of my life. <laughs> Eva, thank you so <laughs> much. You're thank wonderful. You. Talk to no you soon. Guys. Talk Thanks. To you soon. Bye. Bye. I swear on my life, we did not ask people to say these things. No. Give me that scene, hook it to my I veins. Just, I need to see that scene. Why would you cut that? I, even if it's a social media team uh, for Dublin Murders are brilliant. I'm like, if you're listening, can you please tweet out that scene? Yeah, that is somewhere. <laughs> the DVD box set. Director's cut. Give it to us. We'll pay for it. Yeah, I want to see it. The making a sandwich it, I'm oh actually, I actually think I'd have tears in my eyes yeah. that sounds so funny oh. but we all know a couple that play off each other like that do you know what I mean I just think that's brilliant <laughs> don't mind him keep going it's like when you're 15 and you, you're fancy that's a fella and you score his friend and you think he's going to fancy him but they're like get away from me you score my friend but yeah when <laughs> you apply that onto being like in your 30s yeah. and living together and having an active sex life like that oh. then that's what happens that, it, it's oh, it's absolutely I I wish it made the cut. I also don't think having a ride on the kitchen counter would necessarily be a Heather thing. She's quite a tidy, clean person. No, she was waiting. It was Which, a parade yeah, was for just, Rob coming was, in. I'd say she, I think she, she got the dead all out afterwards, yeah. like scrubbing the child. The second she heard about the door, she's like, right, come on, let's go. <laughs> Action. Guys, <laughs> so what oh. a brilliant way to wrap up a show about murder. Oh, guys, I can't believe that it's over. What are we going to do now? That was, was your bloody... post-mortem. Yeah. It was honestly, a I whirlwind. I feel like we do have a few more answers than we did. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is brilliant. Even if it's just people's, you know, it came in, it took over our lives for four weeks, and now whoosh, just like that's gone, gone. I also just want to say thanks so much to everyone who listened over the last few weeks because the episodes were long. They were so long. We're they were so detailed, sorry. convoluted. Yeah, we loved when people sent in their theories as well. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone on social media as well, Twitter especially, people are so nice, so engaged, and, and it's all people just having the crack. Like, it's brilliant. Um, so let's continue to do that. Let us know what you're watching next. Yes, let us know what you're watching over Christmas, uh, what's going to be keeping you lit uh, during the cold. I wrote that down earlier on, keeping you lit. <laughs> uh, oh, so we're saying it twice. And I wrote next, over Christmas. Next line. Next line. <laughs> uh, get in touch on Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> And Instagram at ShrinePod over the Christmas break will be lonely this Christmas. <laughs> or email ShrinePod at gmail.com. We're going to wheel her out now. <laughs> we are going to be back in the new year yeah. uh, dissecting Marcella season three. There's, There's loads of other bits. There's a couple of, of others on my radar now. There's a few, now. yeah. 
few Martin comps and popping up left, yeah. right and centre. Yes. Two dramas. In a few <laughs> things at the one time. Brendan, you sent me an article. I still haven't read it. I oh, think is it like... that. So I think it's a Radio Times article. All the dramas coming in 2020. For a bloody radio station, they write great TV content, but it's all the dramas coming in. Are they in a radio yeah. station? Well, they kind of are about radio. Is it not? Was it an offshoot? <laughs> no, is it, not, is it not an offshoot of the BBC? No. I don't know. Uh, do you know what? I haven't a clue what I'm talking about. We'll find that Is out. Is that surprising? <laughs> we'll find that out, We're, guys. I'm going to read that article. We're going to do Marcella and I think there's going to be some others as well. Line of Judy Potench. Hopefully, yeah. They said that it will be the uh, Q4 of 2020. Like, that's going to come around faster than we thought it was going to. Guys, if I'm that happens. You. But he's writing so much other stuff at the moment. Where does the Bloodlands. man find the time? Bloodlands as well. Yeah. Bloodlands. Bodyguard. That's going to have to... That's going on the back burner. See, Richard Madden's yeah. doing Mar. Is he he's doing Marvel? Marvel? Yeah, so he's that's in the Eternals. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's a bit of Nessa. Oh my love. Oh, crazy. if you oh. think of anything else, Mad, right, uh, that we should watch, and let us know. Uh, we were also going to watch Gavin and Stacey. I mean, will we do a podcast about Gavin and Stacey? It is Who knows? A thousand degrees in here. Let's get out. But really quickly, I can't believe that we started Line of Duty this year. It feels like we did it a lifetime ago. Yeah. We also did Big Little Lies season two. Not a show that warranted a podcast, but <laughs> we, we somehow managed to talk. Not about a show it. that, as far as I'm concerned, warrants a third season. But that's happening. Uh yes. Jennifer Aniston, what? And that is a season that is not warranting a podcast. No, it's not happening. If there's no murder, we're not interested, really. But um, (laughs) what I did want to say was, thank you. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Happy New Year. And we'll see you in 2020. Unless something awful happens, I'll have to come back on and update you really quickly. (laughs) Exactly. Or if some weird show comes on, we might just pop up. You know yourself. There are two Martin Compsons are in December, but I think we need a break. God, lads, we'll be flat out. Flat out. Two episodes a week for the last four weeks. I can't cope anymore. I can't remember what it's like to have a uh, weekday evening off, to be honest. So we'll see you in the new year. Get binging on Marcella. She's on Netflix. Yes, one and two are both on Netflix. I'm off for a Bailey's. Go on. Vegan, of course. (laughs) <laughs> Brandon. This is TV worth talking about. So we want to hear what you have to say. Find Shrine Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ShrinePod.